For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. What's up, my sinners? Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, your host, Shane Told, talks to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. It is a beautiful day here in Windsor, Ontario, where I currently reside. The first nice day, I want to say, we've had this year. What a brutal, brutal spring. Just nothing but rain. But today, the sun is shining, and I just built my first little raised planter to grow some vegetables in my backyard. Is anything more punk rock than that? Yes, this is what I've done today, and it came out pretty well. I used cedar wood. Very happy with it. So I'm having a great morning. Thank you very much for asking. And today, we have a great episode with... Someone I just never thought I would be able to get on the show. Someone whose brain I always wanted to pick, but I never thought I would get the chance because her first band, the Rocking Horse Winner, broke up literally like 15 years ago. And I never thought she would be coming back to music. I know she was working as a real estate agent in South Florida. So when I got this email about a new band featuring today's guest, Jolie Lindham, I was so excited. I've never hit reply faster on an email ever, especially when I see its ex-members of Shai Halud, Further Seems Forever, As Friends Rust. This is an early 2000s supergroup, my friends, and I am very excited for this band. They're called The Darling Fire. Be sure to check them out, as always. There will be a song at the end of this episode, but this is a really cool episode and a really cool story, so stay tuned for that. What's new with me, you ask? Well, other than honing my green thumb, I am gearing up for a whole bunch of stuff. We got the Slam Dunk Festival in just like not even two weeks away. Silverstein will be there among 
amongst so many amazing bands, too many to list. I won't even name one because there's about 50 I could name that I'm excited to see. I'm also DJing the official Slam Dunk After Party with my friend Maddie. Alas for words. Shout out to Maddie. I know he's a listener. And we're going on tour all summer long in America, in Canada, with our friends in August Burns Red. Yeah, that's exciting too. Tickets available for that right away. Go, go get them. Silent Planet, also on those shows. And also, if you happen to reside in or around Charlotte, North Carolina, I'm going to be there doing an emo night DJ set on June 1st at the Fillmore slash Underground. That's going to be a good time. I'll be hanging out. If you want to come say hello, I will be more than available. So again, June 1st, Charlotte, North Carolina, at the Fillmore. Had a busy week. Silverstein was in the studio. Oh, did I spill the beans? I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it, but yes, we were recording some material. You'll find out about it soon, I think. Very, very exciting stuff. I could not be more stoked. Sometimes I forget to say this, but hey, you know, you can get in touch with me very easily. Lead singer syndrome at gmail.com. I read all my emails. I am decent at getting back to people. I, I, I like, there's more than a 50-50 chance that I'll respond. So hit me up on there if you got any questions, suggestions for upcoming guests of the show. If you want to know more about the All Access Club, which is a thing, a really cool thing that I do. It helps the show keep on keeping on, and it only costs you as little as $6 a month. So head over to leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access to find out all the details about that. Welcome all new members of the All Access Club. We're well over 300 now. It's a beautiful thing and I love y'all. Also, if you dig the show, feel free to go on iTunes, write a review, preferably five stars. All that stuff helps and all that stuff does matter. So if you have a couple minutes, I would really appreciate that as well. And make sure you're subscribed because we've got some great guests coming up in the next few weeks. I am so stoked about all of them. Anyway, it's that time. Let's get on with it. Here's my conversation with Jolie of the Darling Fire and the Rocking Horse winner. Nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, I, I've been a huge fan of um, of yours since, you know, Rocking Horse Winter and everything you did with that project. Um, and I was so sad when, you know, that project came to came to an end. You know, I still don't know what happened because, you know, the, the time frame of, of all that, like back in those days, whenever it was like 2004 or something, you know, social media and all that was so primitive that like you couldn't really find out about bands you liked you know what i mean absolutely so yeah, yeah so so uh, i was so you know pleasantly surprised to get this email from from becky your publicist being like oh um i, I you know because because she'll she'll hit me up with things and and a lot of times it's like bands i just like to be honest like just don't care about or like you know just i'm out of the <laughs> loop on and i saw your name and i was like oh my god she's back oh, <laughs> and i was so you. i'm so excited <laughs> Cool. Cool. Yeah. I saw my, I mean, I, yeah, obviously there's been, I, I did do, I was doing some things in between, but, um, wasn't really focusing too much on 
music. You know, it wasn't right. like a focus for a while. Right. Exactly. So, I think it was, was it Popvert? That was like a project you were working on? Yep. Yeah. Popvert. Which, which and- to be honest, I didn't even hear about that until like last week because <laughs> I was, you know, yeah. you know, looking, doing some research and I was like, honestly, like I think in my memory, like I'd say Rockin' Horse Winter broke up like 2004, maybe 2005 and I haven't heard anything from you. So we're talking about like 15 years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's so, <laughs> it's crazy, but it's pretty cool. And um, yeah. she sent me a copy of the record. I love it. It, it cool. just has, cool. it just gives me what I, it gave me what I wanted out of it. Um, awesome. so yeah, just shit, just, uh, I don't even know where to start. Um, how, how did you just decide after all this time away from music? I, not only do I want to do this again, but I want to take it pretty seriously. Yeah. Um, well, uh, my husband actually, Geronimo Gomez from Rocking Horse also, he was the bassist. Yeah. Um, married now and so um we went through some kind of difficult things um about a year and a half ago or so and we were like what are we you know what are we doing (laughs) really are we happy with what we're doing you know um I didn't have any anything going on I had been doing some backup kind of for friends um for a couple different people and um but nothing really serious you know full-time or anything as far as music goes um, and I, so I basically, you know, I was a little bit frustrated because I had to wait for somebody to, um, write music for me to sing over, you know, and it was, it mm-hmm. was getting to a point where I wanted to learn guitar. So I basically, you know, I said to him, I really, I just want to learn, learn how to play so I can try to write my own music and not have to wait for anybody. And then <laughs> yeah. he it kind of sparked him to pick up a guitar also. And, um, he actually sold all of his bass equipment when Rocking Horse broke up because he was basically fed up with music. So, um, so basically he just started, you know, we just started writing together and we we were like, okay, well we have this program, uh, Ableton live and we had that for a while meaning to, to learn it. So we're like, why don't we just learn it and try to, you know, record here and, you know, see how it goes. So that's basically what happened. And we, we just started writing music. And I think like the second song that we wrote, we sent to Steve Kleiseth, our he's a longtime friend yeah. from further. And, um, and he liked it and he could hear the potential. So it just kind of went from there. And we were like, I guess, let, you know, let's, why not? Let's just take this seriously and see what happens and see where it goes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, lo- I love that. That's an, a really cool story. <laughs> Uh, and, and it's, I don't know, there's, there's something, I guess you look so fondly back in the memories of, of, you know, writing music and being in bands, you know, in your, you know, in your twenties or whatever. And so you're, you know, you're going back and doing that, but I mean, I have so many questions, but the first question is, did it surprise you how much everything has changed? I mean, not only just using a program like Ableton, but the fact that now, you know, like there aren't really CDs anymore you know, or, yeah. or just how music is, is sold and distributed and, and promoted. I mean, did you, is there a big learning curve that you're st- yes. probably still figuring out? Yes. Huge learning curve. Um, everything was so, I guess, grassroots back then. I mean, we had to do everything ourselves to get our, our band out there, you know, and yeah. now it's like, there's so much competition because anybody can just record at home like we did and just release music. 
So yeah. um, there's so much difference between then and now. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm, yes, I'm still learning, um, you know, certain things, but starting to get the hang of it, but it is, you know, it is really different. Very of different. Course, of course. But I mean, just the, to be able to commit to something like this too, because um, you know, yeah. a lot of times, a lot of times you sort of search for projects. You know, it's a super group. You know, you look at all the bands. I mean, everything from from As Friends Rust, which Geronimo was in, um, Further Seems Forever, Shy Halud. Uh, you know, all these just these big names um, on you know your bio sheet. A lot of times, yeah. these kinds of bands they don't. You know, they'll put out a record and they'll play a couple shows and then it'll kind of fade away. You know, and that's fine if that's what people want to do. But from what I've read, uh, you know, about you guys in the project and what Steve has said, it's like, no, 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 this we're doing this like we're doing this for real. But I mean, you must be in your 40s now or late 30s. I mean, it's not easy to to find that kind of commitment, you know, like we got mortgages and, and I don't know if you have any kids, but like, you you know, whatever, there's all this stuff that, that happens at, at a certain age where it's like, I can't get in a van anymore. Yeah, no, we basically, you know, we just decided that we're going to go for it. We don't, you know, we're just going to do what we can to make this succeed. We're not doing this just for fun. It's not just a little project. Um, we're, we're going all in. We all decided that we're all on the same page as well, which is not common. I know, um, with bands these days, especially the bands that, um, have formed with people that we know from back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we've decided all of us together that we're, we're just going to go forward and do whatever we can do to, um, succeed with this and see what happens. So, um, yeah. And it's, you're right. It's not easy. And it's, it's, of course, it's a little bit scary, but um, <laughs> we're all willing to, <laughs> we're all willing to take that risk. And that's what we've been doing. I love it. So, so I know, obviously like, because I was such a huge fan of, of Rock Morse winner. Um, I, I always just wondered about you because like we started off the conversation with, it's like, you didn't know much about your favorite bands, especially, you know, underground, you know, indie bands or whatever, because you could read about bands in big magazines, maybe. Um, Certainly the podcast format didn't exist, which I love because you can go so in depth. But I'm always curious, like all I really knew about you is you moved to Florida and you met Chris Caraba and then, you know, started a band. Uh, But I'd love to go back. And I mean, where were you before that? What was it like growing up um, for you? Where did you grow up? Um, I'd love to know all that stuff. I'm sure a lot of people would. Yeah, sure. Um, So basically, I'm from Long Island, New York, actually, originally. Um, At this point, I've been in Florida longer. Uh, That's that's where I grew up um, and uh, graduated high school and everything. And then basically, I... Um, and it was very different than Florida, very small town. Um, you know, my parents were builders and, um, so it was an interesting childhood, definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, my, basically my parents, to be honest, I didn't want to go to college when I graduated. I wanted to take a year off and just take a break from school. (laughs) Sure. um, A lot of people feel that way. Yeah. But I was kind of uh, forced to, <laughs> in a in a nice way, to uh, go to school. And basically, my family intended to all move to Florida at some point. So they kind of encouraged me to uh, be the first one to 
come down. And, um, that's how that started. And then, yeah, I just, you know, uh, went to FAU in South Florida and, um, that's where I met Chris in math class actually, (laughs) and several other friends. And then that just led to all of the people in, you know, that scene back then that were down here and we all just became friends and supporting each other. And now were you, were you involved in music or, or anything back in high school in New York? Not at all. Actually, I, (laughs) to be honest, I tried out for this group when I was in middle school, I think called the quarter tones. And I was turned down by the music teacher. He told me it had to be in chorus. I was trying to skip (laughs) and just go into the quarter tones and not be in chorus. (laughs) So he told me I had to be in chorus. So he told me no. And, uh, and then that kind of like, you know, kind of took the wind out of my sails a little bit, I guess, about singing. And I, so I didn't really focus on it. And then, you know, I can't remember exactly how it started with, um, to sing with Chris, but the first thing that I did ever was to sing on a, um, a cover song with the vacant Andes, his early band. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. So I, so, you know, back, so at that time it was a brand new thing for me and I'd never performed with anybody. Um, and I remember recording at James Wisner's house. He had a little <laughs> apartment actually, yeah. and he had a, a little uh, closet that he made into a vocal booth. And uh, I remember Amazing. recording that song with, with them. And I, I still remember it. I mean, I can picture it right now. I remember going in there and doing that. And then, you know, every time they would play, if I was at the show, they would ask me to come up on stage to do that song with them. And I remember being extremely nervous every single time. And that, but that was how it started. And then it led to dashboard and, uh, and then rocking horse, my, my own thing. That's crazy. So, but before that, like, you know, I say, Oh, you're from Long Island, New York. And I think all the bands and the scene coming out, you know, yes. at that time, like, you know, Taking Back Sunday is the big one or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Thursday in New Jersey or, you know, that whole New York scene. But you, when right. you were in high school, did you not know about that? Like, what kind of bands and stuff were you listening to? Yeah, when I, as I got toward the end of high school, um, I started to get into hardcore and punk. And so I would go okay. into the city and I would watch, you know, um, bands with my best friend at the time. And, um she was kind of friends with some of the guys in Glassjaw. Oh yeah. And so we would go, we would go to shows in the city and yeah, that was, I mean, that was also an awesome scene, obviously, you know, yeah. New York hardcore. So I did, I did experience some of that before I moved. Um, and then it was like totally different down here. So. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, that's, that's like why it's funny to me just cause you think of, I mean, obviously, you know, you're, I just, I'm just, I guess I've never thought about Florida as a, as a, like a really big, um, you know, hardcore music scene, but I, yeah. I guess I'm kind of wrong because, you know, um, obviously dashboard and like the whole fiddler records thing with vacant Andes, that was, you know, a big movement. And then there was like eulogy rec- recordings was a big label. And you yeah. said jo- James Paul Wisner, who did, I mean, he recorded that, like that big under oath record. Like so many people have come out yeah. of that scene, not to mention newfound glory. Um, yes, so, so yeah, but, but the, 
just to say it's different is a, a huge, you know, understatement. Um, but what are the chances of, of like, do, do you ever reflect back and go, what are the chances that this guy, Chris Caraba, that ended up being, you know, who he is now, happened to be in my math class? Does that blow your mind? Yeah, it is crazy. It is crazy. Right? What a coincidence. I mean, is- you know, we didn't, we didn't know. Of course, you know, it's awesome. I'm so happy for him, you know. Yeah. Um, but nobody nobody knew what to expect, you know. Things were kind of blowing up at that time. You know, a lot of the band, like you said, Newfound Glory was getting big and yeah. dashboard. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that it started there. I mean, I remember very, very tiny shows that we would do. And everybody, like I said, was supporting each other. And, yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> So, so, so with, with Rock and Horse winner, I mean, mm-hmm. the band, it's funny when you look back, like I, I just read that you guys are only together for like three years or something. Um, and it sort of blew my mind. Cause I remember, I remember there's two albums and I remember, you know, lots of things happening and tours. So I was like, wow, it was yeah. only like just this, it was only three years really that band existed. Um, but can you talk to me about how that formed was, was there a lot of like weird pressure or hype that people only knew you from those dashboard songs and what led to the demise of the band? Okay. Um, well I actually was asked to try out for their band for rocking horse. Um, Mm -hmm. it didn't have that name yet at that point. Um, but they asked me to try out because they heard me on the bacon Andy's cover. Um, so it was before, it was before dashboard, um, start for any of that started. And I tried out for Rocking Horse, what would become Rocking Horse. And um, so that's how that started. And um, and then, you know, I sang with Chris on, on the early Dashboard records. And so, yeah, there, there were a lot of questions about that um, when I would do interviews. And still are, actually, now. I'm finding of course, sure. As you did. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'm not, so, I never claim um, to be better than anyone, okay? <laughs> so um so yeah um so that's how that started with rocking horse and then dashboard kind of like overlapped with that basically um so you know the label did you know kind of want to use some of that hype for for the horizon yeah um, second album um which you know was was good but then sometimes can be a bad thing in my opinion, um, at the time, you know, it was kind of a weird situation, but, um, because of that, yes, we had a lot of pressure on, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Um, we did a lot of things in a short amount of time and basically just because of the pressure, the band cracked, you know, the foundation cracked and, and yeah. that's how it ended. And, you know, we had, we had to play one last show together and it was South by Southwest and uh, huh. I had to fly there with no sleep, play the show in South by Southwest when we were already kind of at odds, and then um, it and then it just ended after that. Wow. So, yeah. So it's funny because South by Southwest, back, the kind of thing it's the it's the kind of show that you know, a band would do to try to get hype, to try to get people to find out about the, you know, like industry shit, all that. Um, not to do a last show. Cause I've never actually never done, I've never been to South by Southwest, which is kind of weird, but uh, I've only heard that 
it can really suck. Like you can just be standing there and like everyone's just drinking and schmoozing and not even paying attention to the bands playing. So yeah. I can imagine that being kind of a rotten last show ever. It was just hard because we were at odds, like I said. So, uh, you know, I know I remember specifically somebody mentioning at that time. I don't remember how, because there, like you said, there was no social media back then. So, but I remember somebody commenting somewhere that they could tell that our energy was not there. Um, right. That our, our chemistry was gone, you know, basically they could tell. So, um, you know, so that's basically what happened. It was, in my opinion, it was just a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves to succeed. And we had like a horrible tour before that, that was booked with, um, Coheed and Cambria. I think we, that was the last one. And, um, the reason it was horrible was because, um, we actually were stuck in Detroit for two days in a snowstorm. <laughs> so <that's- laughs> I live I, right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm 10 minutes from Detroit. So that's where I live. <laughs> so, okay. Well, we were stuck there. I know how much you can had- suck. <laughs> no, well, not, not necessarily because it was Detroit, but because it was like a, a blizzard. And then we had oh, like an extremely long trip to the next show after that. Yeah. And I think that just kind of like started to, uh, cause things to crumble <laughs> just, just how that tour went because i think another show was also canceled on that tour that was in the middle somewhere and so you know it, it was just like a lot of pressure on ourselves to do well and, and a lot of things going on and and that's it and we were young so we didn't we didn't like as things are now we all appreciate everything that's happening for this band you know we totally appreciate it more than we did anything back then because we can see now that we should have appreciated things more at that time, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So your husband, Geronimo, who is obviously in your band now, uh, Darling yes. Fire, and he was in Rock and Horse Winter. What was your relationship like when you were in the band? You, were you already married? Were you just dating? Or what was that like? Yeah, we started dating um, in the band in 99, um, kind of like soon into when the band formed, actually. Um, and so we've been together since that time and that was definitely, and he'll agree with me on this. That was definitely a a huge, uh, challenge, a huge test to be dating and be touring. (laughs) No, I know. I see, I see people do it from time to time. I know. And I'm like, how could, how, how, (laughs) Uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a definitely a um, challenge. Yeah, that was, kind of dynamic it, in a band must be tough too, though, because when you're you know now you're married before you're dating. I mean, kind of in in either either way. Let's say you have an agreement. You know, a, I mean, sorry. Let's say you have a disagreement with the other members of the band. It's right. like it's going to be tough because on one hand this is your significant other and you have to take their side, right? You have to defend them no matter what, but if they're wrong, you know, then what you kind of like, you can't win, right? You have to like either you can't win. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Um, that must've been a challenge too. I mean, back in those days and probably now a little less so, but it could still be, you know, in some ways a challenge. Yeah, that could be a challenge. You know, we, we agree that we're not going to let, just, you know, that we'll have our own opinions about things and allow each other to have our own opinions about things, basically. Um, 
so that's yeah i mean back then it was just a little it was more difficult because we were it was more of a new relationship you know um but now we've been together right. for eight years now so yeah <laughs> so it's that's, awesome that's awesome so um i want to talk about this record which uh they gave me an advanced copy of. it doesn't it doesn't come out till june which which I, at first i was like whoa june and then i'm like oh my god it's almost may I don't know where yeah. this year is gone. It's like flown by. <laughs> um, so the record comes out, is it, I don't have the date in front of me, June 15th? 14th. 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 And uh-huh. um, you recorded with Jay Robbins, who, I mean, a lot of people know him from Jawbox, Burning Airlines. He's become a really revered um, record producer. Yep. Uh, how, how was that? I mean, how was getting back on the saddle? You know, you haven't made a record in a long time. There must have been some nerves there. Oh, absolutely. Especially with <laughs> having to go in there with Jay Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were some nerves, definitely. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a huge um, blur because it was only five. We made a record in five days with him. Oh, wow. And Yeah, so it was, it was crazy. We drove up. We, you know, basically pumped it out and then left and it was like there was no time to hang out or really talk much um other than the album so yeah it was it was crazy but awesome he's awesome to work with one of the nicest people ever um and really talented and you know he really brought out some awesome things with this record yeah that's crazy so for you as a singer um has your voice changed? Did you feel like when you were finally in the studio, you know, in a, a, a proper isolation room with headphones on, hearing your voice through like probably a nice Neumann microphone or, you know, something, something like that. Were you like surprised at how your voice was treating you, how it sounded, or did you pretty much just feel like, okay, I'm, I'm back here. I am like, this is where I, this is, this is me. And this is where I belong. Yeah, um, to be honest, this was the most comfortable I've ever been um, singing with this record. Um, it's more in my range, I guess I could say. There were some rocking or songs that were a little bit of a challenge for me because right. the guitarists would write them and they would be in a not right, in my key. key. Sure. Yeah, so it was so definitely this has been the most comfortable that I've ever been with um, singing. I would say on this awesome. record. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, definitely interesting. I, I found some things out about myself in the, in the studio that I guess I weren't, a, you know, something, it wasn't something that I've figured out in the past, which was that I, I actually have to sing, you know, record with the headphones off of my ears. So I can't <laughs> hear myself in the, in the headphones. So I'm basically just feeling the drums. <laughs> So, um, and that was easier for me to, so, so the headphones, like you, you kind of just take, take, like you kind of pull one ear off a little bit so you can kind of hear yourself in the room. You just take them completely off. off. They're both basically at the back of my head and I'm just feeling the drums and that's it. That's, (laughs) I found out that that was the best way because anytime I would put them on, it would, I, you know, and it could have to do also this music is a lot heavier than what I'm used to singing over. So it was kind of like fucking with my ears a little bit, I guess, you know? So oddly enough, just feeling the drums and that's it. And I heard that that's also something that afterward, I heard that Jay Robbins actually only sings the drums. 
What? Believe it or not. Yeah, he, when he records, he sings the drums. That's what I heard. That is so weird. So, but, but how do you know what notes to sing? <laughs> I mean, if you like, well, if you don't have context well, have, of, of. Yeah, if you, I guess if you have the ear and you, you know what you're doing. I mean, he has a great ear. Yeah. Um, you know, there were there were a couple little things that we worked out in the studio for backups that he came up with, and um, yeah, he has a great ear. I know. I know. Notice that. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. No, I, I definitely sometimes think that if you're when you're wearing headphones in the booth, you, you, like my my pitch can kind of get sort of weird, like because I'm yeah, I'm not really hearing it. Yeah, like I can't really hear yeah. it out of my own um, like out of my own mouth. I'm hearing it through the microphone into the computer back, you know, and something yes. there's some disconnect there. So I totally get what you're saying, but but yes, recording so to just drums is so insane. That's like I have to ask that, some people about that. I've never heard that before. That's, I mean, that's basically what I had to do. And so like, if I had the the cans on and I was singing and I think I'm doing great and then I take them off and he's like, did you take the headphones off? I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) So when I took them off, it was, when I took them off, it was, I put them on something about it was fucking me up. I don't know. (laughs) No, I, I hate, I hate that too. Like when, especially when it's the first day of let's say the first day of vocals because there's so much anticipation you know the way I mean records are you know classically made where you do the drums first and you know all that and you have most of the music done or whatever when you start doing vocals and there's always like all right we're doing vocals today so the band's there everyone's excited there's a lot of pressure on you as a singer and then you go in and you sing like the first couple lines you're not really warmed up and you're worried what everyone thinks especially when it's a new band Um, and then you, you sing a couple things and you're like, okay, I think it sounds pretty good. And you walk in the control room and you hear it through the monitors the same way everyone else does. And it's like not in key. And you're like, oh no, I am terrible. (laughs) Right? It's the worst. It's the nerves. Yeah. It's the nerves and everything. I have to say he was extremely supportive, um, the whole time though. I mean, every time I would come back into the room, he would give me horns. So (laughs) horns of approval. So, you know, so that was, he, um, I really liked working with him, um, instant feedback, but it was, it was interesting. Yeah. It's interesting to, to learn that, you know, that there are other ways to record other than, other than just the cans on and, you know, but yeah, it's the nerves and everything get to you, obviously. I mean, if there's yeah. the slightest bit of nerves, you can hear it. No, absolutely. So. so you wrote, I assume you wrote a lot of the lyrics, if not all the lyrics, Yes, all the lyrics with a tiny bit of help here and there sprinkled in from Geronimo of, you know, basically as my means sometimes helping me sure. through something. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. I mean, a lot has changed, I'm sure, in your life and just in who you are as a person, you know, since you set out to write, you know, records or whatever. What was coming out of you? Did you feel like you kind of reverted back to some of the subject matter and some of the things that you sang about in like, you know, 2003, or was it like surprising to you how the subject matter that you wanted to approach now, you know, in our fucked up world in 2019? Yeah. Um, I would say definitely much different. I, you know, I didn't really, um, dig that deep back. And I would say, you know, I was like, I guess yeah. I was more afraid of that. So, um, it was more, it was definitely more from the heart this time. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and the lyrics aren't really about, you know, surface things are pretty, um, 
I don't know how to, it's kind of like, it's not uh, political, but like Mm -hmm. social commentary in some ways. And, um, you know, just deeper than the words that were written back then. And there were, I didn't write very many of the words in Rocking Horse actually. Oh, really? Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of them were written by the guitar player, um, Henry. So this time it was like, it was the first time in a long time that I'd written anything, you know, uh, because even with Popford, I think that was like 2007, 2008. So, um, it was, it was a long time ago. <laughs> so it was such a challenge to get, to have to sit down and like, you know, do that again. It was really interesting what came out because sometimes, I don't know if this happens for you, but for me, after I read it, I'm like, did I write that? Where did that even come from? I don't know. <laughs> You oh know, yeah. So. I, oh, I know. Well, I, I totally agree with you with, with writing lyrics and everybody's different. I mean, yeah. some people can just kind of do it on the spot, you know, like in the studio yeah. almost like for me, I sit on my couch and I agonize over every line for hours and hours <laughs> on end. And then like, I'll, I'll sit there for like a whole night with like baseball highlights on in the background you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, right. Like watching the same sports highlights over and over again, agonizing <laughs> over these lines. And if I get like a verse done in a night, I'm happy. Like that's productive for me. I'm really slow, you know, and other people just yeah. shit it out. And, and, I, but well, I will say yeah, though, I, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say, I will say though, once in a while you'll get this weird streak where all of a sudden it's just like, I haven't written anything in hours and it's like line, 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 line. It's like, it's like someone's putting these words in your head. They're not even you. Yeah. And that's basically what happened with these songs. These songs, you know, John would finish writing something and then he'd show it to me. And there were a couple of times where I had to scrap what I did because it was like, you know, it wasn't the direction that we wanted to go or it wasn't quite fitting the style that we were kind of developing. Um, yeah. So, there were a couple of times, a, a few moments like that. Uh, but for the most part, you know, he would give me a song and I would do it in like a day or two. The lyrics would be done. And that's awesome. why it was so surprising because it was like pent up creativity that I haven't <laughs> used. You know? <laughs> no, totally. So like, yeah. But I mean, I think, you know, once like once a musician or once a, you know, whatever the, the cliche things are, they say like once a hardcore kid, always a hardcore kid, you know, there's something yeah. in the back of your mind, right? Like, especially yeah. I know you're working, you've been working like real estate in South Florida, which is probably a whole different like thing. Like it like, really, literally could not be more far removed from punk rock, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so my alter ego totally exactly right so there's always yeah. those moments i find when you're in you know the normal everyday mainstream life where something will like come up you know or like i always yeah. think it's it's like we had this little i think it was a blog someone had it was like it was like hardcore in non-hardcore places where yeah. there's like something that looks kind of like looks like the four you know black flag bars or like there was this other thing where the back of a truck looked like a dead Kennedy's logo. And it's like, you always yeah. have that in you, you know, no matter yeah. what you do. So I feel like, to, you know, to touch on your point of creativity, it's like you're, even if you're not actively consciously writing music or whatever, these things are coming into your mind all the time. Like there must be something there, you know, after yeah. all these years, that's, that's like needs to get out of you. Yeah, it's exactly. I mean, it was like, and you know, there was, like I said, we went through some difficult things. So there was a lot of frustration, 
you know, sadness, anger, all of that. Mm-hmm. And that just was like, you know, funneled through the music, basically. Can you talk about what that is? You're being kind of vague on, on whatever this kind of tragic, horrible thing happened. Yeah, we, we went, yeah, we went through some, uh, just like a, basically like a, a couple months of just shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, we lost our first dog that we ever got uh, together. Uh, um, he passed away. Yeah. And then, you know, to be honest, after like right around that time, I found out that I was pregnant and then I lost that. Mm. And I actually had, I actually had, um, appendicitis at the same time. Oh my and goodness. that's why, that's why I actually went to the hospital and I, I had never been, you know, I'm in my forties and I'd never had a surgery before. So this was the first time I ever had any of that. So all of this happened at the same time. <laughs> so yeah, we, that's where we were like, we need to reflect on our lives and what are we doing? You know, what's going to make us happy right now? Yeah. And, and you know, where can we channel this, you know? So from, you know, from tragedy and from frustration mm-hmm. and anger and all that comes creativity every time. Yeah. So we were able to take that and use it for some good. Well, I love, I love that. I love the positivity and that's, yeah, that's, that must've been very, very hard. And, uh, that's a scary thing too, right? It's like when some, all of a sudden someone's like, yeah, you could die. Like actually though, like it's like, I I forget who it was. A friend of mine had it and a couple friends of mine have had it actually. And it's just like, yeah, you'll get there and they'll be like, well, this could burst at any moment. If it does, you're probably going to die, but just remain calm. It's cool. It's like, yeah. no, no, I'm not going to remain calm. <laughs> and, what? And that's the thing. I mean, surprisingly with all of that going on, I did have some kind of peace with it. So, you know, it wasn't like I was panicking or anything like that. It was, I kind of just accepted everything that was happening and went through it. And I was like, okay, this is happening now. You know, what direction, <laughs> what's next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, so. So that yeah. is why basically after being through all that at once uh, within a, a span of like basically a month, month and a half, um, we were like, fuck it, let's just do this now. <laughs> awesome. what, else, what else can we do? So, yeah. I love it. Well, s- some serious, you know, stuff there, but yes, on a non-serious note, the album starts with a G.I. Joe PSA clip. Um, (laughs) which I heard that and I was like, I know this. And the reason I knew it, and I don't know if you remember this, there was like a very primitive internet thing. Um, like right when YouTube kind of came out or whatever, where they'd, they'd play those old GI Joe PSA announcements like dubbed over. Yeah. Do you remember those? Like who wants a body massage? Like all those? Yeah. Yeah. That's where you got the idea. Yes. Um, actually it's funny because we, when we were on the trip for the recording, when we were in Baltimore, um, we, that was the first time on the way there that I had ever heard that. And, um, it was our (laughs) drummer, Steve, that brought that, all that to our attention. And it's, uh, Fensler films. Basically he made all these dubbed over GI Joe PSAs and they're hilarious. And it was the first time I'd ever seen that. And I have, you know, very sarcastic humor and I love that kind of stuff. So, and he knew that. So he played that for us and we were hysterically laughing. And then we decided to use that on the album. That little clip right. there. 
Right, but of course, it's a serious <laughs> band, and this is the your first the yeah. first thing anyone's ever going to hear when they check out your record. Yes. But there's it's like when you dive deep into what it's saying, and I don't have it, I didn't type it out or whatever, but it, yeah. it's got to be an analogy for like kind of what's been happening with you, right? And that yes, and that's why we called the album Dark Celebration because basically it's like you know, we weren't Jarl and I aren't the only ones that went through some shit. Steve and and, uh, Matt also went through some horrible shit leading up to this band forming. So basically, you know, we decided that this was, it was something that Steve kind of coined in passing. And then we made it into, you know, he said that the music was like dark celebratory basically. Yeah. So, so then we decided, you know, dark celebration. It's like, you're, you're coming out of this, shit that you just went through and you're celebrating it by making something creative you know so that's where that came from totally no it's it's very very Depeche Mode Uh, my sister's favorite (laughs) band is Depeche Mode so I know all about Black Celebration Um, okay yeah 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 you know uh, maybe you don't know Mm -hmm. but I I think it absolutely works for for the title Um, and the record is is so good I, I hope lots of people hear this and they check it out um, and you Thank guys you. are doing shows. You're doing you're doing the thing, and it totally makes sense yeah. why you're doing the thing. If this isn't just a weekend warrior type of project, um, right. so what's the what's next? What's the plans? So we have some upcoming Florida shows in May, um, mid May. We have a couple of shows around us in Fort Lauderdale and Miami, um, and also uh, May 25th in Lake Worth. And then um, after that, the our album release is actually going to be held. We decided to do it in New York City. Um, so we're going to be at Armin's Grocery the 14th and 15th of June for our album release, basically. And then All after right. that, after that, you know, we, whatever comes up, we're going to do whatever we can. Um, and actually, we're this is something that nobody knows yet. Um, okay. We're actually filming a video this coming weekend. So... Um, and that was a surprise <laughs> within the past week. So, um, so that'll be interesting. So you, you weren't planning on doing a video or you weren't sure or we weren't sure we were, we'd been tossing around the idea and then this opportunity just came up and we were like, let's just try it. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Let's see if we can pull it off. So totally. that's what we're going to do. Well, it's amazing how, you know, important video has become, you know, <laughs> over the last yeah. 10 whatever years um it's like yeah. funny now how bands will record like they'll do a video for like almost every song on an album or they'll yeah. do a video and like the video is more important than the the song half the time it's like really it's kind of kind of yeah. gotten weird but but uh, I think, absolutely i think that's great yeah i think people want to know more about you these days they want to know more you know like you said you didn't really know it was hard to really know about the bands that you liked personally or even just what they're what they were into, you know, I think people just want to see more of that these days. Absolutely. Well, yeah, back in the day, you know, punk bands, I think part of it was, was just about like money. Like people didn't have money yeah. to make videos. They were expensive, but I remember hopeless records put out this, like it was like called cinema beer nuts or something. They put out like a, it was like one of those compilation records of, yeah. of bands, but it was like on a VHS tape. And that was right. the first time that I saw like what some of those bands that I liked like actually looked like other than maybe a photo like in this CD or the vinyl, you know? So it's, yeah, people don't know how good they have it these days. 
Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. can find I mean, out what my just, favorite band singer had for breakfast. You know what I mean? It's insane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I love chatting with you and uh, good luck with, with everything with the band. Thank you for asking. <laughs> oh, of course. Jolie, thank you so much uh, and uh, all the best. Okay, thank you. You too. Thank, thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, you know, it's funny. These people, they go to sleep. They think everything's fine, everything's good. They wake up the next day and they're on fire.
is music from The Darling Fire. I want to thank Jolie for taking the time to speak with me. That was really, really awesome. And this record is a banger. It is so cool. It's like a throwback emo record with modern production. It is not to be missed, so make sure you check it out. And speaking of emo throwback, next week I am very excited to announce that Ben Jorgensen of Armor for Sleep One of my dearest, oldest friends is going to be on the program. That's a guy that I wanted to have on the show literally when it started. When I was starting this thing, thinking about people, okay, who can I call? Who do I know that'll just jump on and say, yeah, hell yeah, Shane, I'll talk to you, even though I don't know what your podcast is. Ben came to mind. Yet 175 episodes later, I'm finally speaking with him. So it's very, very exciting. So make sure you're subscribed. I don't want you to miss my conversation with Ben. I will leave you with another tune, this time from the Rocking Horse winner. This is a classic. Here is from Miles Away on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. I'll see you next time.